Welcome to Moonbeaming, a podcast about creativity, magic, tarot, lunar living, and more. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, and I am so happy you are here today. Hello, 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 hello. It's me, your host, Sarah G. It's Moonbeaming, the podcast. Here we are. We are in the middle of November 2020. And really the first thing I feel called to do is to thank all of you for listening. I sat down and read some reviews before I hit record and I almost teared up. Uh, those of you who know me know that that's actually a common occurrence for me. I'm a crier. She's a crier, folks. You like put on a Hallmark ad and I haven't gotten sleep or it's my period or something and I'm I'm just a weeping, weeping woman. Um, but really, I'm making light of the fact that I am incredibly grateful to everyone who has left a review, sent me a message, posted on social media, told their friends, all of these things. I started this very humbly and very quietly for various reasons, and it just makes me really happy to know that folks are listening and that it's resonating and that it's helpful. So thank you. Thank you to everyone who is listening to this. Thank you to everyone who took time out of their busy lives to leave a review. And if you haven't left a review and you want to, and it's not too hard, you can leave it. You can leave it. It'll be wonderful. Be your little good deed, your little mitzvah for the day. So listen, I'm excited about this week for a bunch of different reasons. The first thing I want to talk about is what's going on with the moon. We just enjoyed a new moon this past Saturday. Now, the new moon might have felt a little bit like a full moon for a couple of reasons. One, it's in the sign of Scorpio. Two, we're in the waning dark moon time of the year. Three, it's a new moon just before a lunar eclipse, which we'll be having in a couple of weeks. Four, my babes, this year has been so, so challenging. And I say that as an understatement. I don't really like talking about the year publicly for a lot of different reasons. One is that people's experiences during this year have been all over the map. And I don't want to come across as condescending when trying to address a large group of people. You know, I think I've spoken about this before. I don't necessarily believe in this idea of the collective. Yes, of course, we're humans on a planet. That is the collective. But our experiences can vary wildly from person to person for any number of reasons. But what I will say is this year has been 
one of the most challenging on record. And if you are feeling the accumulation of everything that has transpired for you and for those you love and for larger humanity, if you're feeling it now, you're not alone. And my ask for you going into the end of the year, if you haven't already been consciously practicing this, is to have conscious awareness of self-compassion. We can tend to turn the knives inward, and that's not useful for any of us now. So practicing kindness and softness, if you aren't maybe behaving in a way that you thought you would be or that you used to even six months ago or a year ago, right? Try to give yourself some compassion here. It's really needed. Try to give yourself some rest if you can. I know for many, this is a very challenging time of year and it's also a very busy time of year, pandemic or not. So this new moon is a good time to anchor into practices that support rest, subconscious integration, realignment, rebalancing, all of these things. It's not necessarily a time to reach for the stars. It's more of a time to go in deep and to be with self in a different way. And the reason also why I'm bringing this up is that the way that I teach is we work with the moon through one entire lunation, meaning from new moon to new moon or full moon to full moon and so on and so forth. When half of a lunar cycle is an eclipse, the flavor is much different and we might not want to do any hardcore humanifesting or make any hardcore magic because we have the energy of an eclipse happening at the end of the month, like I said. So this is to me more of a time of clearing away, rebalancing, all of that stuff. But the card that I pulled this week underscores the fact that we are beginning a process of change. I know you're like, really? No, no, no. It's, 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 it's okay change this time, even if it feels rough. And that's because the card that I pulled is the chariot. Now, listen, the chariot asks us, what are you never doing again? The chariot asks Out of all the hard work you've done, internally and externally, what is working for you now and what needs to be left on the side of the road? And I know some of you are like, well, I kind of want to be left on the side of the road. Can I just crumple up in a ball and let, let, you know, puddles pass me by and just kind of disintegrate? No, my dear. No, actually, you are taking you and all of the very best parts of you forward. 
The chariot is about defining success for you and you alone and going after it. The chariot comes up when we've done all we can in a certain way and it's time to try a different way. The chariot asks us to take all that we've learned and to think about what ingredients we want to use as vehicles to move forward, to touch base with our personal definitions of success, not definitions of society, not definitions from five years ago. The chariot wants you to redefine what success looks like and feels like for you now. So this week could be about moving forward, not getting snagged by past stories, or treating those past stories differently, or treating the things that would normally snag you a little bit, treating them in a different way to be able to see how they are not allowed to have control over you. The chariot also, of course, obviously is about movement, all kinds of movement. It's very metaphoric, right? So my loves, lean into that which helps you feel like you are gaining some kind of rhythm or some kind of momentum. There is so much more I could say about this card. I am very intimate with this archetype. I love it very much. But for now, meditate on what a successful week would look like for you. If that means going really slow and not beating yourself up around it, that is what you must do. If that means giving yourself 30 minutes a day to just stare at a wall and not judge yourself, that is what you must do. It's going to look different for every single person, but just remember that you can keep going. And remember that if you need to rest or you need to ask for help, that's all part of the plan as well. Today we have a huge treat of an episode for all y'all because I had the honor, the privilege, the pleasure, the delight of interviewing the most brilliant witch, author, creator. She's a teacher. She's a podcaster. Her name is Pam Grossman, and most likely you have heard of her. Personally, I've been a fan of Pam's work for years. Her book, Waking the Witch, is about art, magic, witchcraft, power, the witch in pop culture, a ton of other stuff. And you've probably read it, to be honest. And if you haven't and you're looking for a new inspirational read, I encourage you to pick it up. And again, also, you've probably heard her podcast, 
The Witch Wave, which has been going on, I think she says it's now on season four. It's an awesome show. If you like this show and you haven't heard it, you will love The Witch Wave. I kind of, not kind of, I definitely have a podcast crush on The Witch Wave. So in this episode, Pam and I talk about her spiritual practice. She shares about where her magic is right now. She talks about what she's grateful for when she began to work for herself and go out on her own and a whole bunch more. The other cool thing that we do is that I give Pam a reading. In the beginning of the reading, you might be a little confused because we aren't immediately going into a tarot reading Part of my readings are I open up my channel and I offer up any information that comes through for my client. So that's why I'm talking quite a bit and it's a little bit like all over the place. I wanted to start introducing readings here and there with guests because I wanted to demystify what a tarot reading could look like and be like. I know that a lot of times tarot practitioners or folks who get tarot readings are sort of just curious about the ways in which it can go down. And I wanted to start offering these up here and there to sort of show how I work, what comes through. You'll also hear me like, saying like, 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 and uh, 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 because I'm speaking and apparently I sound like a Jewish Valley girl, which I sort of am. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to offer this up to folks because I just think folks are interested. They're curious. And some of my guests are gracious enough to agree to receive one. And Pam was one of those. So without further ado, the brilliant the charming, the lovely Pam Grossman. I am here today with my wonderful guest, Pam Grossman. I'm sure everyone listening knows Pam, her work, her book, Waking the Witch, her incredible podcast, The Witch Wave, and many other things that you're responsible for. I know conferences and classes and consults and all of the things. Uh, I was just hoping to just get started, Pam, if you could introduce yourself. I don't know that I would add too much to that. I would say that my work really centers on trying to explore and celebrate the archetype of the witch and how it is this complicated and I think really needed reflection of how we humans interface with feminine power. I think all people, all people of all genders have access into this archetype and can embody this archetype. But I think it's really plugged into a lot about how we feel about femininity and um, so that's a, that's a big centerpiece of it. And just generally speaking, I love to do projects that celebrate that space where art and creativity and magic overlap, if not become exactly the same thing. So that's a through line as well. 
I love that. I wanted to ask you just a couple of questions about your book that I haven't heard you answer anywhere else. Maybe you have. Oh, um, I'm excited. You know, your book was, was pretty um, well thought out and, you know, for lack of a better word, I'm sorry, words are escaping me, like pretty, pretty tight. Like I got where you were going. I, I got all the trajectory. Were there any parts that like you really wanted to have in that had to be omitted? Ah, oh, what a fabulous question. I mean, look, if it were up to me, I could have gone on and on and on with that art chapter. You know, I highlight five artists, five of my favorite artists, um, who to me really embody the archetype of the witch because they both were creating from this space of magic, but also they were really infusing their visuals with a lot of tropes of witchcraft and the supernatural. So, you know, it was hard to only choose five people. Um, I think there are probably hundreds of people that I could have put in that chapter and potentially that could be a whole nother project or many projects to come. That was my sort of my second question. When you were writing the book, did you then like end with a list of other things you wanted to write about or focus on? Did it sort of spiral out in that way or? Yes, I have a lot of other books that I want to write and a lot of other projects that I want to do. Some of them are fiction, some of them are nonfiction, some of them are for younger people. That's an area that I'm really interested in because, um, you know, I'm approaching 40 and my husband and I have chosen not to have children and we're really happy with that decision. But I love the young people in my life and a lot of my friends who have little budding witches come to me with their questions. And um, it's a real honor to answer those questions. So I'd love to figure out how I can speak to that age reader too and try to write something for, um, you know, like young me or even uh, lots of young, little, little magical people all over the place. So I'm thinking about that right now. I'm not sure what shape it's going to take, but it excites me to think about. It's going to happen. Um, so <laughs> this, so then this brings me to like, how do you see the intersection of your writing as a practice and your magical practice? Is writing magical for you? It is very magical in that I find the writing is most difficult when I'm caught in my little ego and I just want to, you know, whatever, impress people or sell a lot of books or whatever. And we all have those thoughts and desires that come up. And whenever I shift my intention to, I just want my work to be of service to spirit and to reach whoever it's meant to reach to help. I mean, this is very cheesy, but help make the world a better place. Right. Um, then I become less of a perfectionist and more of a channel and feel like I'm in relationship with spirit and in collaboration with spirit to create that kind of work. Um, and I also very literally like I light candles. I sometimes call circle. I'll ask for help from my guides for certain projects or certain parts of projects and that really, really helps me. You know, I think when you feel like you're just stuck alone in your own little tiny human brain, that's when writing is the absolute hardest. And there's a lot of assistance from, you know, call it what you want, spirit, the other side, 
that we all have the ability to tap into. So that's what I try to do as often as possible. Wow, that's so beautiful. I love that you have your own ritual practice around writing. That's such good advice. How has your magical practice changed in the last year? My magical practice has changed for the better in some ways. And in some ways it could use improvement because as I've become a bit more public, I'm doing a lot more public rituals and group rituals. And, and it's more, I mean, the word performative is coming to mind, but that sounds very superficial because I'm not faking it. I'm I'm still in the moment, but it's a lot of output and it's a lot of um, leading. And I've been working really hard to tap back into just my private practice and developing that more and also letting other people lead me. And, you know, we're all still students and we all need to be, you know, I don't think magic is ever passive, but a little bit more passive or a little bit more of a participant than a leader. So I've been, you know, trying to do that a little bit more. But I would say, generally speaking, my magic has simplified over the years. Like when I was a teen witch, oh, the spells I would do with like 15 ingredients and, you know, it it was very complicated and nuanced and specific. And as I've gotten older, like lighting a candle, (laughs) if you do that with a lot of intention and you are in that zone, I mean, that to me is like all the magic I need often, you know? So things that are really, really simple, Um, but infused with attention, intention, and awareness is is what I'm leaning towards these days. I was wondering if uh, on that tip, if you've had like the chance, because I know you're incredibly busy, but if you have had the chance to sort of introduce a different aspect of a spiritual or magical practice and this last year that has sort of like you know evolved it or changed it or given you a new perspective on something that you hadn't had before um no i'm of jewish ancestry i still do consider myself jewish even as i'm also pagan and a witch and it's funny and i've talked to other jewish witches who've had this experience where like when i was a kid you know, I was taught this very liberal, progressive style Judaism. It's called Reform Judaism for listeners who aren't uh, familiar with it. So we're very flexible. You know, we don't keep kosher, blah, blah, blah. And I knew about Kabbalah, but it it just wasn't that interesting to me. Like it, it just, I don't know why it didn't appeal to me. And the older I get, the more I'm like reading way more about Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah and not even necessarily that my ancestors were great Jewish mystics, like who knows if they were or weren't, but just plugging into, um, you know, Jewish magic and Jewish mythology. I've been reading way more about golems and Dybbuk's and Lilith and all of that. And, and it's, it's, it's not pivoting me away from my practice. It's just enhancing it and I'm weaving it into my practice in really meaningful ways. And it helps make me feel more connected to my family, which feels really, really important right now. Yeah, that's uh, exact same story. Reform, raised reform. Uh, When I started reading tarot, I got interested in the Kabbalah, but actually the, the correlation between the Kabbalah and the tarot is fake. Like it's like, not fake, but it was the Kabbalah has nothing to do with the tarot and the tarot, mm. like the tarot, just like the tarot kind of absorbed astrology, even though it was disparate, 
anyway, I got into it that way, but then now I'm going back and like learning slowly with a rabbi and, you know, reading uh, books on Jewish shamanism and things like that. Yes, yes, yes. You know, because it's like, it's part of our heritage and our ancestry. What I've learned so far that I really love about uh, Jewish shamanism or more mystical or more traditional uh, Jewish practices is like how seasonal it was as mm -hmm. well as how simple like, you know, there, there's a lot of just like simple Jewish magic around uh, specific plants or garlic or, you know, just very simple. That's so easy. And we're like, yeah, of course, like honey, apples and honey sounds like a spell, you know, I'm telling you, I mean, that's become over the last several years, apples and honey around because Rosh Hashanah and Mabin are roughly around the same time. Um, and, you know, Rosh Hashanah is you know, I mean, these are lunar holidays also. So there's that aspect to it. And so I've often done an apples and honey, you know, offering or ceremony as part of my Mabin ritual. So weaving them together has felt really potent. And there are so many other people who have been doing this. I mean, I'm sure we know a lot of the same people and have been reading a lot of the same books. And it's it's pretty incredible. I, I am so grateful to a lot of the Jewitches who are working out there today who know a lot more than I do about it. And I can't wait to learn more. Have you had any beliefs in the last couple of years that have changed either around your magical practice or spiritual practice or otherwise? What a good question, Sarah. Beliefs. I mean, what has just been affirmed for me, especially as I'm interviewing a lot of people on my podcast, some of whom identify as witches and some of whom do not, is like, I don't actually care what people call themselves. Like, I'm really proud of the word witch, and I have a lot of personal reasons and sociological reasons to use that word very mindfully and actively and publicly. But there are so many people for whom that word doesn't resonate or the word magic doesn't resonate, and I don't care. Like, I just want people to be good and I want them to be creative and compassionate and kind. So I'm not out here trying to like convert people or evangelize or recruit people. So when I talk about a lot, it's really funny because it always surprises me how much I talk about him. But my father-in-law is an Episcopal priest. And on paper, we're really different. But I have the most incredible conversations with him about, you know, like the difference between miracles and magic. And, you know, I know certain religions, let's not even say the whole religion, but certain ways that people practice certain religions, I'm really against. And they're damaging and life-threatening and offensive and oppressive. But I still think there's truth and beauty in every religion. Um, so I think there are super magical, incredible people who are like hardcore Christians, as long as they're not fundamentalist. And, you know, if they really believe that what they are doing is about being loving, accepting people, which frankly is what Christianity is supposed to be when you get down to it. But that's kind of what it comes down to. I'm not looking to like form a witch club. And if you're not a witch, you're not cool. And you can't hang with me. Like, I don't care what you call yourself. I care what you do and who you are. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you. That's amazing. That's yes. Amazing. Um, it's really weird. This was just a comment on your comment. It is so strange how people think we would want 
everyone to be like us. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't, it's similar. Like, I'm like, you don't need to be like me at all. You don't need to think what I think. You don't need to do what I do. How is that even, why, why would, I mean, we know why we don't need to get, it's just such a, it's just a strange thing to me. Um, I think so too. And also, I mean, Sarah, I'm sure you can say the same thing. Like I have a lot of witchy friends. Most of my best, best friends are not witchy at all. Like they're really amazing, powerful, beautiful people. And they love who I am, but like, they're not witches. That's okay. Or they wouldn't consider themselves witches. You know, some of my good friends are, but a lot of them aren't. And like, that's awesome. There's a lot of other aspects to my life and what I'm interested in and my values that are, you know, not witch related. <laughs> and that's great, you know? So, uh, you know, listeners, don't send Pam any witch related presents or anything. Oh, no, like you can stuff. keep doing that. I love all the witch-related <laughs> presents I get. Sarah, shh. Okay, send him all the witch-related. Just don't ask her to try to convert you. Exactly. You've gone to work for yourself uh, a few years ago, correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. What advice would you give yourself just beginning, knowing what you know now? I mean, the f I would give myself the confirmation that being very emperor about it is, is a good thing to be as long as you're also being empress about it too. I mean, when I first started working for myself, it wasn't just some like blind leap. Like I had a strategy. I saved some money. I learned how to do QuickBooks. I talked to an accountant and figured out how to pay quarterly taxes. Like because as a freelancer, for my comfort level, I was more comfortable doing that than paying some big lump sum um, at the end, you know, during April or whatever. You know, at first I was like, am I just being like so anal and overwhelming myself with all this nitty gritty stuff? Is this getting me away from the joy and the beauty and the creativity? And frankly, Sarah, like, I'm really happy I did that because... I think if you're serious about working for yourself, like like it or not, we live in a capitalist society and there are, you know, there's taxes to pay and all of that stuff. So that that's maybe that's the opposite of advice. I'm more patting myself on the back. <laughs> like, good job signing up for QuickBooks. I mean, I know that's silly, but I think a lot of people don't talk about that stuff. You know, they just want to focus on like the the bravery and the following your muse and the inspiration and all of that. And I did that too. But um, I think it's important for people to know that there's real new skills that you have to learn. And, you know, I'm still learning it. You know, I would say that. And I would also, I would give myself the advice and I still need to take this to still make time to exercise and meditate and get enough rest because I'm not awesome at doing that all the time. I go through phases, but I've definitely fallen off the wagon with that, especially during this pandemic. And so, yeah, I would go back and be like, girl, be sure that you're scheduling that for yourself every week. And uh, I'm saying it to myself now. So there we go. What projects do you have coming up now? Is there anything you're looking forward to that you'd love to just share and, and plug or talk about? Yeah, I mean, the the main stuff that I'm able to talk about is 
season four of the witch wave just started up and i'm so excited about the guests we've already had and the guests who are coming up um, i did this year start a patreon just to make it a little more sustainable for myself and it's been just so fruitful, not just, you know, for financial reasons, but the community that's built up around like the more hardcore listeners has been great. We have like an online Facebook coven that we're part of. And I'm about to actually, when this ends, do a ritual just for that group. And, and that's felt really good. So, you know, for people who want more content from the witch wave, there's a lot of extra, you know, bonus episodes and all that kind of stuff. In addition to the community, and then the last thing is I've been teaching these classes with my dear friend, Jonica Stuckey, these online workshops. One of them is about using occult and magical techniques to generate creative writing. And another one is about kind of accessing your inner occult ocean as a space of meditation, centering, and creativity. And we have a few other ideas planned for other workshops coming out in the future. So that's that's the stuff I'm able to share now. Brilliant. So we'll put the link in the show notes. And Pam, I just want to thank you for being all that you are on all of the different ways. You are just such an inspiration and you're so rigorous and thoughtful and smart and magical and kind and compassionate and humble and brilliant. And we're just all so lucky to have you. Oh, Sarah, my face is like bright pink right now. That is so lovely. And right back at you. I really admire your work. I admire who you are and who you are in the world. So thank you so much for having me. This was a great pleasure. The first thing I just need to do before I pull any cards for you is deliver some messages that came through. So there's a couple of things uh, that they're bringing up. The first thing that was really interesting that was really like clear in you was dark, like navy, like but like vibrant and and dark, deep green. And I sort of like inquired and they they're funny, like they started with the practical stuff first. The first thing they're saying to you is making rest and your sleep hygiene like they were showing me like if you need to get like light canceling curtains or if there needs if the phone needs to go in the other room they're saying like they're also saying because you're a bit of um like a research hound it might be interesting for you to like look into sleep culture and like look through like so you sort of have some kind of grounding and that you have kind of a why. And all is that to say making rest and sleep a priority for you right now is like a really important thing for you to do. The other thing they're saying is if you can have your evening practice be just writing a little bit, uh, decompressing, there's something about the anxious energy isn't leaving the bedroom. Mm -hmm. So it's like making the anxious, like, like, so if they're showing me kind of like phone or if there's any screens, maybe you have this, this, this barrier where you're like, this is my bedroom and I can read and I can, and have write poetry and I can relax with my partner, but I'm not like, so there's something about that. Okay. Um, the other thing, which was really weird, but again, I just am sharing the green when I inquired, they were showing me like seaweed 
and and really rich greens it's something about there's something around supporting your nervous system because uh, your nervous system they were showing or they were sort of like imparting is like that's where you get hit the most in terms of like that's where the stress goes or where any like energy that maybe even yours mm. so they're like nervous system nervous system um lot tons of greens tons of nourishment again they're saying if looking into it, like if 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 doing some kind of research would would ground you in your routine, and that's the last part of the practical annoying stuff, um, which is the routine. They're like, what's going on with the routine? They're like, how are we going to ground? Even if routine, they're telling me is so little, like three times a day, put a timer on your phone, lay down, read a book, shake your body out, so that when you do go to bed the day has been done. Like that's the other thing. There's this sort of like octopus sort of energy going on and it's <laughs> it's maybe making it more difficult to kind of settle. And then they said a couple other things. Uh, this one also was interesting and you can tell me what you think about this. They sh told me that land is really important to you. Uh, the land you're on, they're almost showing me like you're super psychic a source of your psychic ability is being on specific land. Mm. And they're showing me that there's something about two things. Going to land where you just feel a connection with, they're showing me that you're not moving away from the city, but they're showing me that you're, you maybe want to spend more time in nature, particularly when it's time for you to begin or end or you're in the middle of a larger project. Mm -hmm. They're showing me that going to like that cabin to work for three days, four days, like will be really useful for you. They're they're saying if you can afford it and if it works in your schedule, specifically if you have you have a couple of projects coming up that could really be useful for that. The other thing though that they're saying to me, sorry, that it's fair, they're they're always very chatty. <laughs> uh, the other thing about the land, this is interesting. I don't. I, they're showing me that like you have a set of ancestors who stayed around where you are, meaning they're, they're, you can access sort of where they were or where they lived or resided for part of their life within like a three to five hour radius. Is that right? That's right. Mm -hmm. So they're showing me that like, if you've been interested in doing ancestor stuff, at a certain point, the maps and the PDFs and the scans are, again, they're beautiful. And also they're urging you to go to the land and mm -hmm. to spend like a day there, just kind of walking around and connecting with maybe where uh, they're showing me like especially one side of your ancestors that you've been maybe more curious about or interested in. Uh, again, doesn't have to be a big thing, but like if if you're able to do that, that would be really useful and, and it would um, close some, you know, questions. And the other thing they're saying is, that's the part of you that's ready to open up a bit more, which is where the information you're receiving is like very direct. And it's not, it doesn't have to be proven by some, you know, they're showing me like scans and PDFs and, you know, whatever. <laughs> they're like, they're like, you can just go there and receive the information and be like, I know this to be true on a fundamental level. Does yes. that make sense? It makes so much sense because Sarah, I fell down that ancestry.com rabbit hole over the last few months. So I've been spending an inordinate amount of time looking at PDFs and records and census records and all of that. And I've learned a lot of great things about my ancestors. And I've learned certain addresses around New York City that I can now go visit. Or, um, you know, one of my great grandmothers lived up north in, I think it was called Spring Valley, New York. And so that's a place I can go. But to your point, I kind of hit a wall with it because it's like the records were only so good. And my ancestors are Jewish. 
And there's just not fabulous records for, you know, the, the first generation immigrants. Um, so yeah, that, that is really something that I've been planning on doing anyway. And it feels really good to have you affirm that. There was one other thing they wanted to say, and that is there's something that you're thinking of doing a creative and artistic project, uh, more than one, like they're sort of showing me part of you sort of wants to pivot in a different direction. Um, and, that there's some trepidation there. Mm -hmm. They're showing me that there's a part of this project that is like very, it's very special to you and you almost want to protect it. So part of you is like, well, I don't want to put it out there because like I want to like just have it. It's So they're saying, yes, let it take the time it needs to take. They're saying that like there's nothing you could do differently that would like change any sort of to be direct financial compensation you're worried about. They're saying like, that's not even on the table, although that's one of your sort of, that's where there's some trepidation or some doubt. The other thing that they're saying is not everything has to be like fireworks, Pam, like, like in terms of presentation, one way to just start with it that might like assuage any sort of, you know, fear or doubt. It's not even, it's like, you, I think it's just like you feel so about it. Like you just want it to be held and uh it's really this part of you that's really beautiful and really personal it's that's what it is it's like more personal and you're sort of like am i allowed to do this like will i like i don't know and they're like yeah yes that's like hello and uh so they're saying just show show it to your people already like meaning maybe you just show it to your newsletter maybe you just show it to like it doesn't have to be this big sort of like, hello world. It's like, it can come out sort of in waves. They're saying you, you could like walk with it in a way that you feel energetically aligned with it. Am I making sense to you? Yeah, I think you are. I mean, for me, it's interesting because I have a few projects on the burners right now. So yeah, I'm just trying to figure out which one they might be referring to. So I need to sit with it. But in general, you know, I'm someone who lives with anxiety for sure. And I have um, moments of it not getting the best of me. Absolutely. And I have a lot of skills and tools and so on. But it's definitely something that I have to work at pretty vigilantly especially when new projects are happening and I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm excited about it, but I can, you know, RuPaul often talks about the inner saboteur and I definitely have that voice in my head um, that I have to, you know, make friends with or combat depending on your uh, chosen orientation towards such things. So I appreciate any kind of insights that come through around that. Whatever it is that feels like the most sort of personal and the most, um, can I do this? Or like, if, if there's something, you will always have a lot of projects. You will always have like many different things happening, but there is something that you've been thinking about or working on that is like, it is a bit of a departure mm -hmm. uh, and it's a bit more personal. Um, so that's sort of, they're, they're saying like green light and also like you can move it at its own pace. It doesn't have to be this like, huge promotional kind of insanely public facing sort of event. Um, but they're saying that's a good thing for you and that it's a healing thing for you uh, because it has to do with the last bit of information they wanted to give you and we're keeping it vague on purpose. So it's this idea when you're ready to do different things and when you're ready to get bigger, uh, even that word is 
not the right word, when you're ready to just like cycle into a different stage of your evolution, mm-hmm. there is a set of behaviors and a set of beliefs that you cannot take with you that, you know, you have to sort of transform as your energy field transforms. And that's sort of what you're in right now. It sometimes can be accompanied by tension, by uh, grief, by confusion, uh, by even exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what got you to where you are is amazing and remarkable. And also you're headed into a different phase of embodiment and a different phase of being. Um, and it only feels terrifying because you've never done it before. Yeah. So like, that's exciting though, because it's like, you're ready to do something different. And also you're like, can I, can I really do this in this different way? It's all about doing whatever this next phase is in this different way for you, uh, that you've been working on really hard. You've been unpacking and now it's sort of time to set and embody, embody it. So what they're sort of asking you to do this autumn, or if you feel aligned with this, is to really like write down like what Pam is not doing anymore and like understand that when that like will come up to do it that way because it's like that's the way it works and that's why you've done it that you're not doing it anymore and it might be uncomfortable but if there's a no or there's a pause you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and this is on many levels for you they're showing me it's like it's like this whole really exciting energetic transformation that you'll really begin to see the benefits of by like the end of February if you really like are like, I'm deciding. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, it's going to just feel like very, very um, different and uncomfortable. So yes. but they're saying like, you're right. If they're like, if you feel uncomfortable right now, you're right where you need to be. I'm really glad to hear that because I definitely am uncomfortable and nervous about some of the things I'm being called to try. And um, so I really appreciate that message right now. Thank you. And thank you to them. Okay. Last but not least, what do you want us to pull cards about? Ooh, what a great question. I mean, it's sort of in keeping with the reading you've been giving me already, but if there are more specifics around how I can just balance, as I know you do too, Sarah, I have a lot of different projects that I'm working on simultaneously. And like all of our listeners, I have people I love that I want to be good to. I have people I collaborate with I want to be good to. I have myself. Like, I, I just want to be of service to spirit in a productive, joyful way that doesn't burn me out or make me feel unhealthy or resentful or spread too thin. So if there's any more direction, I mean, I know we already addressed sleep and rhythms and routines, but I just welcome any kind of reminders in that area. I mean, it looks like this reading is going to be for both of us, my dear friend. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's see. We'll just do a short three card spread. All right, here we go. (laughs) You just made a face. (laughs) You got, well, because like you read the tarot and you spend time with it. And I'm not an expert though at all. You know, I know you know more than you think you do, but also you spend time with, you have a practice and like there's the, what tarot is really good at is like calling you out. And what tarot is really good at is like mirroring what's happening. The reason why I made that face is is just because I saw the cards and you're, I had to chuckle because the cards are chuckling at us. 
So, uh, so I did three cards just to make this short and sweet and simple. They're very powerful. You got three major arcana. You know, whenever I see so many of the majors and all, I'm always like, okay, this is about more than just the question. This is about tra- a larger transformation, uh, a larger uh, learning path that you're on currently that you really are ready to like move into. Mm-hmm. The placements I asked were like, what's the big block? Like, what's the block we need to look at? What needs to be faced? And then it was what mindset to have or what strategy to to view this through in order to sort of shift and form and grow. And then the last was uh, the little, the cheekiest one. And that was um, what does Pam have to embody in order to like make this a smoother transition or to address the sort of spread outness or burnout or, you know, time, all of these things. Mm-hmm. So the first card that you got pulled around the block was the tower. Oh, come on. Right? So I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, come on, right? So this is the block. I mean, what do you – I'll just ask you what you think this is about. I mean, the projects that I'm called to do right now feel very um, exciting but also very scary and really do feel like they're going to have a pretty big impact on the structure of my life both the making of the project and if and when it becomes public, dealing with the publicity around the project. And I think I have a lot of, I have excitement around it, but I have a lot of fear around it and lots of anxiety around it. So I'm intuiting that it might be that. Is it fear around it just like taking up so much time of your life like that you won't be able to control kind of? Oh, I mean, I could give you a list of all my fears. That's part of it. You know, I'm someone who has both like a lot of belief in myself and also I have a lot of moments of insecurity. And so having to face some of that stuff I think is a, is a part of it. And I also think just doing what we do, Sarah, there's an element of risk involved. And especially when you're attaching the word witch to it, as I very intentionally do, uh, because it's who I am and it's what I embody. And I think I, to be candid, like have fear around people misinterpreting that. I have fear for my safety, you know, all of that kind of stuff too. So um, even as I am really excited about some of these opportunities and projects that I'm working on, I just, you know, I definitely hold a lot of anxiety around them. That's super fair. You know, when you were just, when you were talking about like, you are confident and also you'll have, you know, I was thinking of the like artist Venn diagram, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's like, like thinking you're the best, or like thinking it's the worst. Your art is like in the middle of all of that. So it's a lot to juggle. When I when I see the tower as your block, there's a couple of things I want to get. I'm going to get really like nuts and bolts just to give you some ideas. I'm super practical. So bear with me. The first thing is, is like, what are you doing that you don't actually have to be doing that you think you have to be doing? Because it was built on the old way or how you got ahead in a different job or how you, you know, got your business now running. Like, like, make, like seriously, just like sit down and make a list and then make a list of why you think you need to be doing that. And then make another list of like, what do you think would happen, good and bad? So there's four lists. Everything you think, all the shoulds, write that. Then write down like the feelings about those. 
and then write down like, what if you stopped doing it? Uh, you know, how, how do you have to change your mindset kind of around those things? The tower always comes up when we're being asked to evolve. And in order to evolve or in order to make space for the new, we, as you know, it's a basic law of magic. You mm -hmm. must figure away what is not working or what does, what is not going to match what you're ready to kind of step into. And the tower is sort of suggesting here, there's some aspect of either your business structure or, or your mindset around some of this stuff that is on a foundation that will not serve you into the future. It's actually just what I was saying without the cards, right? Like it's an internal thing that has to sort of like change and sort mm -hmm. of has to grow and a belief system that has to get sort of replaced on one thing. But super practically, like what, what do you not have to do anymore? Or could you spend a quarter not doing it and make, and then like noticing if the sky falls or not, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so thinking about, thinking about that when the tower comes in, right? Because it's like, it's time to sort of dismantle what isn't serving you, what isn't serving your creative projects. I'm going to shift into the next card. Now we're back to talking about energy, my favorite topic. You know, what mindset to have, what strategy to have. Look what card you got. You got the emperor. Oh, beautiful. I got to put my big boy pants on. <laughs> Which is really suggesting that it is about you protecting your energy around what is most important to you. And like, I just want to ask you, you don't need to answer this, but just to think about this, when did the pattern start of always feeling super behind or always feeling like you had to pour like 19 hours into one thing or like this attachment to like overextension. Mm -hmm. Just like thinking about what that belief is mm -hmm. because the emperor is like, you might be doing work of an intern or when you're like, but really you're the forking emperor. <laughs> so you need mm -hmm. to kind of embody that knowledge. The word that is coming through is containment. If a project is going to fit, if you're like, I am saying that this project is going to fit 30 hours, here is the contract. Here is what happens when we go over. Here is my fee. Here is what I will give you. And not just being clear about that with whoever you're working with, but on that on your own. And where can you sort of make um, some sort of commitment to sticking with that and that alone instead of like, what? but then, uh, but then wait a minute. And, you know, like this sort of cat chasing its own tail that will happen. And then before you know it, you're exhausted. And the other thing about energy with the emperor that I have to say is like, how are you, again, I'm being so practical. How are you structuring your days and your weeks so that what you're doing for you takes up the the best part of your energy. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. Is it that two hours in the morning? Is it that end of the day, three hours? Like, what is that for you? Uh, because this is about you changing energy into having like such gorgeous boundaries around protecting that fire for yourself, that vitality for yourself. I think it will change a lot of things if you're able to prioritize that without guilt. Um, and again, make a list. Maybe it is time for an intern to do certain things where you're like, meh, you know, uh, thinking about that. Last but not least, this is sort of like the overview, the embody, the, what, what to embody. You got the hanged woman. Ooh. 
So the first thing that this is about is obviously different perspectives. So Mm -hmm. I think it really is time just to sit down with yourself or with like your partner and really do some reframing, like reframe what would happen or like just reframe the fork out of everything and see what happens because the hanged one always wants us to come in and see things from a different way, right? Like I always tell this story uh, with not always, but I tell the story enough times where like I did a spell for peace peace of mind just to be peaceful. It's like my main priority in my life. And then all this insane stuff started happening, you know, like all these things came in and I just was like a noodle person, like on the side of the road in my brain. And I was like, this spell isn't working. And then I was like, of course the spell is working because I had to create that peace for myself. Like if I can't Mm -hmm. create peace in some chaos or other people trying to come in, then, you know, how, how can I, my peace must be inner reliant, not outer reliant. The hanged one asks us to be like, what is it that you're really searching for and how can you find radical acceptance around it enough so that you are are in it? But the, the big thing that's coming through for you is that like when this stuff gets cleared away, right? You'll have more space and time for the downloads you need, for poetry, for new music, for you know, dreaming for all of the sort of like non-capitalist, non-structured things that is like, they're like, they want to come in. They are like knocking on, you're like, but I want, but you have, so, so thinking about the, all of those things together, making space for this like different sort of embodiment and lens for you, I think would be really good. When you see the hanged one, what do you, what do you think when you think of this card? I always think of, a state of suspension and um, like mindful surrender. Uh, It reminds me to meditate, something that I have not been doing as often as I used to. And every single day I'm like, girl, you got to meditate today. And I just fell off my practice. Um, Ironically, the more I've been home, (laughs) when I, you know, allegedly have more time to do it, because my boundaries have gotten squishier because I'm rarely leaving and my husband's working from home too. And, you know, like it's, it's, I do have to work harder to carve out routine and boundaries. And so that reminds me also to just be still, to take time to really be still and recenter myself and listen to that inner voice more. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? Oh my goodness. I mean, I want to be respectful of your energy. So, you know, I I have a thousand questions. I I feel like that's a good stopping point for me because you've been so generous with your time and with the information. I, I feel like I need to absorb it. So thank you so much. That was beautiful, Sarah. Okay, moon babes, that is all for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next week, if you like what you hear, tell a friend, tell a familiar, tell a stranger, rate, review, you know what to do. Yeah, have a wonderful week, everybody. Moonbeaming is brought to you by Modern Women. It is edited by the incredible Caitlin George Parker. Music is by Will Owen and me, and I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner. We love you.
which is on the end.